Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, September 6th. We begin with a look at the CPC leadership race, specifically the campaign of frontrunner Pierre Polyev. We speak with Sam Routley, political science PhD student from Western University, on why Polyev's campaign appeals to young PC voters. Back to school can be a stressful time for students. How can you tell if your student just has a case of back-to-class jitters or if they're struggling with a real case of anxiety? We get answers from Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. And finally, it's a chance to battle the high cost of food inflation in a very tasty and healthy way. We get details on the popular fall harvest sale taking place this weekend at the BMO Centre at Stampede Park. Pierre Polyev appears to be the frontrunner in the race for leader of the Federal Conservative Party, but does he appeal to young Canadian voters? Joining us to talk about it is Sam Routley, PhD student of political science at Western University. Hi, Sam. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me. So by all accounts, it looks like Polyev, it's his race to lose, but is it is it really, you know, he's getting the support from older Conservatives then? How, how does he appeal or does he at all to young voters? Yeah, sure. There's a, So what's interesting is that there's a, been a set of trends, uh, a set of polls this year that show that um, the Conservatives and Polly ever seeming to be building up the support amongst uh, younger Canadians uh, to the point where now, now it's somewhere around 30 percent, uh, which compared to prior Conservative leaders, where it's in the low 20s, you know, suggests that there's some really kind of interesting and novel trend here insofar as uh, Polyev's leadership and his appeal, what he essentially, what he brings to the Conservative Party and what he brings to um, Canadian politics more generally is seeming to kind of touch this chord uh, that, that the Conservatives haven't been able to do amongst sort of younger Canadians in a while. When you look at the picture, uh, Sam, and you look at the big picture and you look back at Aaron O'Toole, Andrew Shear, and, of course, Stephen Harper... Uh, you know, certainly Stephen Harper and Andrew O'Toole, not the picture of, uh, sorry, uh, Aaron O'Toole, not the picture of youth. Andrew Shear was not an, an older gentleman by any stretch of the imagination. So what is the difference? Is it policy when it comes to Polyev? I think it's, I think it's two things. Um, and, and the more, more important thing I, is, is kind of unclear right now. But the uh, first one is that you have this, amongst young people and also in the Canadian population more broadly, you have this real growing discontent and and uh, dislike of the current Trudeau liberals um, to the point where I think there's a growing consensus that uh, the government kind of needs to be removed and so people are more in the position of, of shopping for other options, uh, which brings them to, to Polyev and to the Conservative Party. And the second one is that I think Polyev is, is unique uh, for, his, for his appeal and for, for the policies that he's proposing, particularly the way he uh, is focusing on economic issues and the way he's framing economic issues, uh, is is much more, I think, captivating in a sense uh, than the other prior conservative leaders. Sam, our text line's going to light up as soon as I say this with people offering their own suggestions, but I'm curious as to what you think young people don't like about Trudeau and the Liberal Party that is changing the way things are moving. Yeah, I think it's uh, two things. Um, first one is, uh, so Trudeau brought in a whole bunch of young voters in 2015, kind of on this promise and, and this vision, too, of this youthful change to Canadian politics, the way 
it's something we've kind of forgotten now. He, his his leadership has really shifted in the way that he came to office as this as this real force of change, uh, or at least claiming to be this real source of change. And I think there's a sense now that that given given the fact that a lot of those promises, such as you know electoral reform, were 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 unmet, and the series of of scandals kind of one after the other since 2015, um, there's there's associations of of, of hypocrisy. Uh, with Trudeau and with the Liberals, um, that has kind of turned um, young people off. I think I think a lot of people who supported him in 2015 kind of feel uh, like they've been uh, scammed in a sense. Uh, so there's that, and then the second one is that you have a series of of long and short term economic issues, um, you know, such as the effects of of the pandemic, of, of rising housing prices, and also of inflation. Um, that the government doesn't seem to be um, addressing uh, in, in an adequate way, whereas Polyev is offering, I think, a really coherent. I mean, you could definitely, you could definitely disagree with it, but 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 it's certainly to a lot of voters a a a, a easy to understand diagnosis of what the problem is and what the solution is. Um, that the current government just doesn't seem to be providing. So I'm wondering, and I'm curious, Sam, you uh, penned an article on uh, theconversation.com. Outside the CPC tent, if uh, Polyev uh, becomes the victor, will he have to change any of his process or, you know, the path that he wants to take nationally when he's actually in the race, you know, for, for uh, the federal seat, for, 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 for top dog in the country? Or does he keep the same process and path that he has within the CPC race? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think that it seems to me that right now uh, there's enough of this, this uh, discontent with the current government, um, enough of a desire for change that if that stays in place... Um, I think you'll see enough people kind of holding their noses uh, and voting for the conservatives uh, just to just to replace the current government to throw the rascals out uh, in the in the common phrase. Uh, but the bigger challenge for Polyev and for the conservatives is is maintaining that support. Right, that once you once you get rid of that that enemy, once you get rid of that that common uh, the, the target that you can direct your attacks at exactly maintaining the support, the positive support of, the, of, 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 of most Canadian voters, including young people, I think will be a bit more challenging. Very interesting conversation. I'm sure there are a lot of folks who are listening who would uh, very much agree with you on that. Sam, thanks so much for your time this morning. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Sam Routley is a PhD student of political science at Western university. I mean, that that would make a lot of conservatives out here in Alberta certainly very happy now, wouldn't it? I think so. But, you know, I think that it speaks to the larger picture, which is, and we hear this a lot of the times, even with professional sports, even with our own Calgary Stampeders, for example. Where am I going with this sports analogy, Sue? Not sure. That is growing a younger fan base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Stamps yeah. always have, uh, you know, us old farts, I, mm-hmm. myself included, who love the Stamps. Got to get those younger folks. I would think the same not only with politics, but particularly with a party like the CP. For sure. So, I mean, I've, I've never thought of this. And, you know, Paul, we just had a texter who said, wasn't Aaron O'Toole around the same age as Trudeau? Yeah, they're very close. I think they might be because uh, uh, Aaron O'Toole, I believe, 49. Justin Trudeau is around that mark. 
the thing is, he just doesn't exude that youthfulness. That it, I'm going to throw that out there. This is my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, by his look, his mannerisms, by his social media presence, Trudeau, and I am not a liberal fan, is, <laughs> a, all. is basically a, like a almost like a political rock star. I don't know. He you know is. What it, I mean, the yeah. selfies and the, you know, he's he's a good-looking man. Yeah, so you can't compare. I don't think you can compare. Yeah. Um, Polyev, I don't get that vibe, but for whatever reason, whether it's the economics or just the disdain for the current situation. And the elites. If you and can that rope them in. Hey, and as we know, Tony's been talking about it in the news. Pierre Polyev uh, is widening that lead. New Ipsos poll finds 57% of conservative voters have a favorable impression of Polyev. 7.20 mornings with Sue and Andy here on 770 CHQR. It can be a very trying time for kids heading back to class. A new grade, a new teacher, maybe even a new school. Back to school stress is nothing new, but how can you tell if your child or teen is experiencing stress or if they're actually suffering from anxiety? To discuss, we're joined by Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Good morning to you, Dr. J. Dr. J, are you here? Good morning. Oh, there you are. There you are. Okay. There I am. I hear <laughs> ready like we are to just launch into the new work and school week after that long weekend. Um, let's let's break this down, Doctor J. Stress and anxiety are they one and the same, or can we differentiate between the two? Well, I mean, stress is a normal phenomena that we all experience. It what gets us out of bed in the morning, gets us working, gets us completing tasks. But anxiety, uh, there is a, a diagnosable. Uh, condition, psychiatric condition, uh, where it's actually bigger than that, where it starts to dominate life, it starts to have physical manifestations, um, it starts to make us dysfunctional, we can't function as our normal selves, and that's when it's diagnosable, that's when it's something that has to be managed and treated, as opposed to just, you know, I got to get up, I got to get going, oh, I'll be late for work or school, etc., would we always see it? Would we see the anxiety and and know that there's something up? Or is that more like we just need as parents to be talking to our kids to make sure we can kind of draw that out of them? Yeah, sometimes. Um, sometimes it's, it's um, behaviors we see in them um, that are quite obvious, quite dramatic, whether, you know, uh, particularly with anxiety. I mean, anxious people look anxious. <laughs> They're wringing their hands. They're they're doing different behaviors and make it quite obvious. Sometimes it can be quite subtle. Uh, and again, a little bit, you know, start of school, it's not unusual to have some separation anxiety. It's the fear of the, the unknown, the new things. And I think that's okay. It's, you know, to have a little bit of that fear. It's okay for um, uh, parents to be a bit anxious about, you know, how is their kid going to do in school and uh, there is a new school. So, again, everyone's a little bit anxious, but we should be able to get through that and, you know, move to the next step without a lot of trouble in a few days, etc. If this starts to drag on, if a kid is wanting to avoid going to school, um, is really struggling at school, like every day is sort of really problematic, and this is going on day after day after day after day. Now maybe we've crossed the line and there is something more than just the beginning of school and a little of the, the jitters of a something new and different. I'm guessing because, yeah, at that point, I guess we, we would seek professional help, maybe go to the family doctor. But as per a lot of these things, conversation with our kids and our teens would be very important, wouldn't it? Absolutely, and sometimes it's breaking it down. So sometimes a, uh, a child having a lot of anxiety about school is because 
a problem they're having. They're they're not learning like the other kids. They have a learning disability, or perhaps um, they have OCD, or they have ADHD, or they like there there are diagnosable things, and that's with that's the fear is that they're they're really they know that they're, they're not going to cope well, or they're going to struggle compared to their peers. So that's what we have to tease out. And perhaps there is something there that we can really, really help with, whether it be uh, getting counselors involved, psychologists, family docs, pediatricians, et cetera, to really help the kids who do have those those issues which are, which are real and which can have uh, a huge impact on their learning in school. For students of all ages, for sure, Dr. J. Thank you so much for your time. We need to be uh, on all alert, full alert, I think, right now as parents and grandparents, right, as the kids go back to school. Yeah, in, in the next few weeks, absolutely, because yeah. a lot of things are going to come up and we need to jump on them early. This is not something let's just see with the next few months. Like in the, in the next few weeks, if there's issues, jump on them, be very active and assertive and, and trying to manage them. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. You betcha. That's Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. It is time for the 47th annual Fall Harvest Sale. Stock up on heavily discounted fruits and veggies from our wonderful local producers and support Calgary Charities at the same time. With all the details, we're joined this morning by TJ Crafter, who is president of the Calgary Produce Marketing Association. Hi, TJ. Hi, good morning. How are you? Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us about this. There may be some folks out there who have not heard of it before, but this is a wonderful event. Yeah, so like you said, you know, 47th year back uh, for the fall harvest sale. In previous years, we've been at uh, Heritage Park, and this year we're at the BMO Centre at Stampede Park. So very, very excited. So the group is uh, is made up of a bunch of uh, produce professionals uh, that are located within Alberta, and we bring all the different charity partners from, or sorry, all the different vendor partners we have in the produce industry from across North America. So really all the people that bring you all the awesome and cool for fun vegetables and fruits to the grocery stores every every week we partner with all those people bringing them all together we throw a giant sale uh, once a year and we push a whole bunch of money back into the local community so very excited tj you know what you mentioned previous incarnation at heritage park so i do recall this is that event where people go crazy, they bring wagons, <laughs> they bring in different modes of transportation to bring their produce home, isn't it? Yes, yeah, this is that event. If you've ever heard of your friends bringing their recycling bin or their uh, their child stroller or maybe a push buggy, um, this is that sale. So this year being at BMO, we're all, we are limited, or sorry, the spacing is really, uh, we need carts to be down to the size of about, of about a door frame to fit into the sale, but uh, but anything goes at the sale. And, and we do recommend people bringing something with them because, you know, when you're grocery shopping, you don't walk around carrying your groceries. So it's always good to bring something and then that way you can um, you can actually get more variety of produce uh, and maybe a little bit extra for your neighbor. TJ, why are people bringing like wagons and stuff? Is is, is are the produce is the, the fruit veg really all that well priced? Well, exactly, Sue. Yeah, the really we are cutting out the middleman. So we're we're basically a direct to source bringing this produce into Canada. So we do get a lot of donations, some product we have to buy, um, and that get that enables us to keep. 
um, keep the pricing very, very low. So the goal of the sale is we want to increase the accessibility of produce to all Calgarians and anybody in southern Alberta that can make it to the sale. So that is the main goal of the of the group is to increase the accessibility and the consumption of produce within our local community. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're providing a space for people to be able to come and and purchase produce. And even if it's, you know, they may find, um, we're talking, we, we're, we'll probably have five different types of apples. So maybe one might not be, uh, might not be priced well for you. There might, there's going to be another one there priced well for you. So, and we'll cover all different, we'll have all different types of fruits, vegetables, citrus, local product, import product. Um, we'll have some tropical fruits, some uh, import vegetables, just really anything and everything we can get our hands on that is just going to help, um, you know, get everybody excited. Everybody loves when they, I love watching people in the, the produce section of a grocery store because you can see them smelling things, yeah. touching things. <laughs> so it, it's really exciting, and, and I'm really, uh, really fortunate to be a part of this. DJ, we're going to direct people to calgarypma.ca. We're knowing that it's September 10th and 11th at the BMO Centre. You can get the one-day or the two-day pass. Thank you so much, TJ. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Thank you. That's TJ Crafter, president of the Calgary Produce Marketing Association.